listening to a mini-sode of Radiohead, a University of Denver podcast. I'm Lauren Fultzenberg. Opening day is taking on a little bit of a different meaning this year. Baseball is back on Thursday, leaving off a lineup of pro sports that are doing whatever it takes to get players back in the game. By the end of the month, the NBA and NHL expect to be back in action too, finishing seasons they postponed way back in March. But will players be ready? How will new precautions affect their performance? Will they actually be safe? Brian Garrity has been a coach, a trainer, a sports psychologist, and an academic. So when he zoomed into Radio Ed, we first asked him, in a time of isolation and precaution, why is there so much urgency to get sports up and running? Yeah, I think there's a lot of angles that you could take to look at it. You look at individuals, you know, people, and like myself too, I haven't been able to go to the gym in months. And so... You know, like a lot of other folks, I've been riding the bike uh, outside. I've been running more. I do have a little bit of weightlifting equipment here at the house. So people are, you know, they want to be active. They want to be fit or healthy. They like to get out and move. Sports really is ubiquitous in the U.S., though. It's everywhere. And so economically, uh, a lot of the leagues are eager to get back because they're losing millions or billions of dollars. Then you've also got the symbolic meaning of sport, that sport is good for us. It'll bring us together again and unify us and all this other sort of stuff. Uh, Unless sport kind of gives us a vaccine for COVID, uh, which I'm not going to hold my breath on, you know, then that kind of stuff is is nice, but it's also perhaps uh, extremely irresponsible. And we've already seen sport teams come back to practice and there have been outbreaks of COVID at the youth level, all the way up through the professional level. So it really touches everybody right now. And and people have a variety of needs to get back into sports and why they want to do sports or fitness or exercise. But we do need to be mindful about what's going on and the possible uh, unintended or intended negative consequences. We've seen all of the pro leagues take different approaches. Everyone's throwing out solutions from not playing in front of fans is what the MLB has talked about. Hockey and basketball are trying to finish their seasons. And so they are moving players to city specific bubbles where they can't leave their hotels except to go to the stadium and play. Do any of these seem like a best practice to you? Yeah, there's a variety of best practices and and two as a, in a former life and athletic trainer as well. And you'd really want to have those isolations, the masks, sterilization. It's such a hard thing in sports because you're, so close together, usually, especially in contact sports. So, you know, it doesn't sound like it, but if one person has COVID and breathes on somebody else or the droplets spread, then it becomes on your equipment and then it becomes on water bottles. So the bubbles, uh, the separation from people, the cleaning down of things can help. But again, all it takes is one kind of strand to get in there and it could possibly create problems. So... It's a, it's a challenge of risk and reward there. Even if everything went perfectly, you study psychology too. What impact do you think being in a bubble shut off from the rest of the world will have on these players and their performance athletically? Yeah, I mean, psychologically, you're, you're looking at uh, separating people from their families, perhaps. Um, you know, and, and people are like, oh, woe is me. You know, these professional athletes or, or their teams and owners and coaches well, the, you know, it's really still a hard thing to do. People don't realize that when you're away from your support system for months, and we know that it's an extremely hard transition. So the idea that these athletes are, you know, just going to be resilient and tough it out, 
you know, hopefully nowadays where with uh, video conferencing and telephones, they can stay in touch, text messaging. But when you can't be around your family, your friends, your support structures, or, you know, some of these athletes, they're not all multimillionaires. The same with the, with the coaches and, the, and especially the support staff. You know, there are people that do not make a lot of money in these different settings. And we want to treat them all the same or ask them to basically sacrifice a lot in order for others to benefit. You know, it, it weighs on people. We really need to be mindful of and looking at who are, who is winning in sport when the owners or the coaches, athletic directors are of a certain, you know, gender or race. Um, are we really doing things and putting other people, you know, at risk for their benefits? If it's really not helping uh, everybody or a little bit more equitably, or if we're not providing, you know, healthcare and testing for not only the individuals, but for their families and providing maybe some short-term and long-term um, healthcare, uh, we're really just saying, you know what, we're willing to risk uh, your health and safety for our benefit. And so, uh, you know, when people walk away or they decide to, um, I don't say retire, they, they could retire or at least not participate for that year, you know, to each their own and, and let them think about what's going to be the best decision for them and, and the people that they care about. And we've already seen several players say, I'm just not going to play this season. It's not worth it to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they are the, the beneficial thing too, and you never see the, a lot of the coaches or the owners out there, the owners aren't risking, you know, their health and safety and, and, and nor should they. I mean, that's their decision not to. But when the players decide those things, they get a lot of uh, grief from a variety of different people. But, uh, you know, people have the freedom to decide if they want to participate in the labor pool of professional sports or not and, you know, let them live their lives. It's so interesting to me that these players are fit for a living. And then there's this interruption where for months they can't train in the same way that they're used to training. What do you think it's going to take to get them up to this professional level to compete for the championships in their sports? I, I think it's a really interesting point because I've got some friends still, I was a strength conditioning coach that are, you know, that's what they're doing is they're trying to figure out how to keep people in shape and, and uh, keep moving. And so I've seen now where um, manufacturers are building outdoor tents and outdoor training facilities and so they're spending a lot of money on developing, um, you know, mitigation strategies that they can train and get in shape outdoors, keep everybody six feet away. They're wearing masks during workouts. They're stopping the workouts to disinfect and spray down things. So I do think it's going to take some time for uh, people to get in shape. When you're looking at preventing, you know, we take ACL injuries or head injuries in sports, and that can be in soccer and it can be in football. Uh, both of them sustain high rates of concussion. If you're not able to train your neck, shoulders, uh, hamstring, uh, other stabilizers in the knee with hopefully the best, you know, and, and cutting edge technology and training methods, you know, you could be more susceptible to an injury. So it's going to take several weeks, if not longer, uh, for teams and athletes to get back in shape. When these players do get back on the field or the court or the rink and there are no fans in the stands to watch them and cheer them on, do you think that'll have any impact on player performance? There's been a little bit of research on uh, whether you do have a, a home field advantage and that sort of thing. And I have to believe for most of the athletes, it's going to get pretty washed out uh, for the most part that, you know, these athletes are um, pretty well tuned or hopefully have somebody there like a, their coach or a, 
a sports psychologist that's working with them to help them refocus their attention, uh, pay attention to the things and the tasks that matter, uh, and really not pay much attention to that. I think they'll probably joke too a little bit that it feels more like a high school or a youth setting uh, where there's you know just not the fans there anymore. Uh, unless they were, you know, playing football down in Texas in front of 20,000 people at the age of 15. Um, but I kind of like it actually too. I, I like the idea that they're going to get out there and just play for the sake, so-called the sake of playing rather than all the fans and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm sure the athletes will say that they like the fans there and they get energy from that, but um, I'm fairly confident if they're worth their salt at all, they're going to figure out how to perform. You alluded to this earlier, but in the United States, sports is such a big part of our identity. And I think people felt a huge sense of loss when the March Madness college basketball tournament went away. And the prospect of having no pro football uh, is frightening to people. How do you think sports intersect with our identity in the United States here? Yeah. So I actually, I mean, this is more kind of the, my area in the sociology of sport. I actually love the idea of not not having fans and kind of canceling so much of the TV stuff because I think it gets us back to a, the so-called more pure view, amateur view of sport. Uh, people that want to participate in sport do it for the love of the game, you know, the expression, uh, to be with their you know people and community, uh, to enjoy the physical exercise and movement, um, develop themselves. I, I say that I I know I sound like a naive romantic person. Um, that, you know, March Madness, NFL football, college, you know, football on Saturday, Friday night football for high school, that right Sundays are saved for the NFL. Uh, these things are massively symbolically important in the U.S. Uh, going forward, I, I think it takes a couple of years. Again, if we get a vaccine or we eventually get herd immunity, things will probably go back to normal. I think long term, we'll have probably a short memory um, and, and things will kind of get back to normal, too. Brian is also the co-author of a new book, which takes a look at where conditioning and culture meet, including morals, ethics, and politics. There's a link on our website, du.edu slash radioed. Alyssa Hurst is our executive producer. Tamara Chapman is our managing editor. James Swearingen arranged our theme. I'm Lauren Fultenberg, and this is Radio Ed. Radio Ed.